good Monday afternoon to you. Welcome on in to the Ameren Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com, presented by Ameren, Illinois, powered by Graybar and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne, who is uh, not at Bush Stadium, where I imagine you spent way too many hours this past weekend. Yeah, you know, I- I've done this before, but... Uh... Yeah, it was kind of awkward. I, I think the best thing they did was bang the game when they did early on Saturday so people could get home, get a reasonable rest, or Friday night, and get reasonable rest for Saturday. Um, but, you know, we kind of got this thing worked out like a science. You know, you do the first game. Uh, we didn't have as much of a break because it was supposed to be a day-night doubleheader, but because of the rain, it kind of pushed everything back. Um, but it was cool. You know, I mean, we got a, we, we won the series, and I think that was important. Um, but you know, overall it was a, a long lengthy weekend. I'm just glad I like the people I work with. I, I think, I mean, that's the first time it's probably happened before, but this is the first time I can remember where they had a set split double header and the rain delay lasted so long that they were like, you know what? We're going to open the gates. Just, Hey, if Come you on were in. here for the first game, <laughs> if you were here for the first game, you could stick around if you want, if you're coming in for the second game. Sit wherever the hell you want. If you got all inclusive seats, yeah, you still get those like as a priority, but pretty much just fill fill it out. We don't care. You know, we had this a few years, many, many moons ago, as a matter of fact, a similar situation. They kind of did the same thing. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, even for late in the second game, I think they left everybody gave, got hot dogs for free because they, it was like the last game of a homestand. So they had nowhere else to go with all this food. So they said, hey, just here, take it. You know, yeah. so it was, but I think this is even before they limited beer sales. Yeah. So again, I'm dating myself, but it, it was a long time ago. Cardinals did win two out of three games this, uh, this weekend, a blowout in that first game of the, uh, the Saturday doubleheader. That was nice to see Cardinals offense just kind of exploded after everything they went through in that Houston series. Here's what I'm learning about the Cardinals and their offense. If you look back, let's say the last week or so, and maybe even go through the course of the season, they hit really good pitching. You know, you think about they, they jumped on Jer- Garrett Cole yesterday. They got some runs against uh, small um, Marcus Stroman in, in London. And if you look down the list, even Valdez. Valdez, Valdez was another one. Uh, and Javier, they got to Javier, you know. So, I mean, uh, there there are some guys that they really were able to do damage against. It's these guys like the bullpen game or the lesser-known individual that they struggle with. But overall, you know, the offense has never been the problem this year, okay? I mean, there may be some guys who aren't hitting as well as you like for them to, but the offense has not been as much of a glaring eyesore as the pitching has been because the pitching has been inconsistent. But, you know, like you said, uh, they, they won some games they needed to win. I think you and I talked about this last week. In the final 13 games of this before the All-Star break, I thought they had to go 9-4, and 10-3. and three. So yeah. basically, they're going to have to run the table on this road trip because they've they've given away a couple of games at home. But, uh, you know, this is, I think, to me, Joe, I think this is the most crucial time of the year for them. You know, we we saw what Flag Day brought us. We see what the July 4th brought us, and it's basically the same thing. Uh, Pitching slightly better. Okay, you've established that you have a closer. Uh, You've got a couple other guys in the bullpen have kind of stepped up. Uh, But your starters, you know, Montgomery has been good. Uh, Flaherty was good the other day, so maybe there's some mojo there, but there's still some holes in the bullpen and, and still some questions in your starting rotation. So, but I think this is a very important week for the Cardinals. 
you have a four-game series coming up against the Marlins, who just got swept by the Braves, and then the uh, the White Sox, who are really struggling this uh, this season. So hopefully you you catch the Marlins at a uh, at a bad part of their season. Yeah, they're a good team though. Uh, they yep. they can pitch. You look at the four guys they're throwing at the Cardinals, and I think all their ERAs are under three and a half. So, you know, when you think about the fact they can pitch, we can't on a consistent basis. Uh, we're going to out-hit them. We have to out-hit them. And how you do that, well, we'll have to find out. The uh, Yeah, that's um, – when you look at what they did this weekend, Jordan Montgomery, as you mentioned, had a, had a really good outing. Jordan Hicks continues to be impressive in that, uh, in that closer role. I just – you know, you have these seven games coming up. You have – I, the, the biggest question mark is going to come what on Wednesday with Adam Wainwright yes, and sir. his next start. Have yeah. you, have you talked to Adam Wainwright since his start against Houston? No, I haven't. Um, for a variety of reasons. One, you know, I don't know what else to say to him and everything he's going to say to us. I've already heard. So it's just a matter of him just going out and doing his job. And I, I really feel like at this point, that if this thing goes awry, they're going to have to have a long thought process uh, through the all-star break on what's next for him. Now it would be easier if you had somebody who was really better, but you don't. I know some people have mentioned the fact, well, you know, maybe you ought to put Steven Matz back in the rotation. Have you seen Matz's numbers? Have, they haven't been very good. Uh, Matthew Libertor is quickly pitching his way out of the rotation. Dakota Hudson came up, gave you three solid innings. But, you know, if you look at his minor league stats, he, you know, it wasn't very good. So I'm going to go back to something I've said from day one. The answer and the solution to improving this team is not in the organization. Okay. He's not in Memphis. He's not in Springfield. He's not anywhere in the organization as we speak. So what does that mean? You have to go out and get somebody. You might have to get two people, perhaps three to improve this ball club, not only to just get out of the hole that they're in, but to get into postseason play and do something. I don't think getting into postseason and, and losing the first round is going to be reward, rewarding to anybody other than those who say, well, look where they came from. Well, the reason why they came from there is because they, they put themselves there with a lack of personnel. When it comes to the, uh, the, the Adam Wainwright situation right now are you surprised that he is still scheduled to make this next start no no I, I think that um because he's he's earned that right to try and fight through this for the first half of the season um I, i'm gonna give him a shot because again there's nobody sitting there waiting to yeah. take his job and that's, I mean, yeah, even that's jake woodford where, yep jake woodford who has pitched better he's hurt uh, and if you want, if you're thinking about McGreevy, that means somebody comes off the 40 man and that's easy to do. OK, there's about three or four guys that can come off the 40 man. And I don't think anybody would lose any sleep or even notice. So it's not a situation where uh, we're, we're, we're jettisoning some promising prospect that that's not the case. Yeah, I just I, I look at it and I was, you know, at first I was surprised. But as you mentioned, there's nobody else sitting there that could come in take that place. You and I talked last week about Dakota Hudson and he did come up and he pitched well in the game on Saturday, but sent right back down to Memphis. He was just added as the 27th guy for the, for the double header. And that's and only because you have to. Yeah. And 
with having the four game series against the Marlins and the three against the Whites, you don't have a day off. You can't even do anything to mess with your rotation before the all-star break. But I had thought initially when he was walking off the field on Thursday, I thought, you know, we'll probably see him again after the all-star break. That was you may I, see him know, before the all-star break. And Well, yeah, I mean, right now he's starting well, Wainwright's set to start on, on Wednesday. Oh, I'm, I thought so, you were no, talking about Hudson. No, yeah. no that's what no, I was talking about was with Wainwright. When he was walking off the field in the second inning on Thursday, I kind of looked at that and I was like, I, I don't think we see him again until after the break, you give him, you know, two weeks off and you just kind of hit the reset button and see what he has after that. But there's, there's nobody else there to, to take that spot. But you know what? It's interesting the way you phrase it. Give him two weeks off. Uh, I'm kind of like, okay, we're going to give him two weeks off for what? Because, you know, I haven't seen anything. His last few starts have been all the same. Now, except for the start in New York where he was pretty good. I don't want to take away. And I think that's another reason why he gets another shot because of what he did in New York. So, you know, it's something, man. It's... There's no easy answer here. And nope. I think that's something we have to take into account. There, there is no easy answer. Um, we're going to have to try and figure this out. You know, I know there was some discussion about putting him in the bullpen, you know, and obviously there's some guys out there he could replace. I don't see Drew Verhagen being part of this equation. You know, I know he's got a hip impingement, but, you know, it, you can send Romero out and put Verhagen uh, at Wayno there. Uh, but then again, you'd have to find a starter. Now, the thing on Hudson, and, and he's been getting lit up throughout the season, okay? This isn't some small sample size. You almost wonder, does his stuff not play in the minors? Because you have more free-swinging minors, minor league players, you know, compared to uh, the big leagues. And I know guys from back in the day that wouldn't go to minor leagues to, to have a rehab. You know, they said, no, I want to stay here and work on pitch on the side or whatever, because those minor leaguers, they're free-swingers. And they'll swing at pitches that normally big leaguers won't swing at. So you have to take that into account, the environment that he's in, or whether that's having an impact on his numbers. Yeah, and I was wrong. Adam Wainwright set to start on Tuesday. Uh, so tomorrow, 4th of July game, Adam Wainwright will be on the mound taking on Jesus Luzardo in uh, in that game. Tonight, it is game one, 540, the start time for that. Miles Michaelis on the mound against Braxton Garrett. Miles, uh, yeah, Miles and Garrett, 540 local start time for that game. Uh, they were kind of all over the place this week. So 540 today, 1210 tomorrow with it being the holiday and then 540 start times again before they head up to the south side to take on the uh, the White Sox. Other news around Major League Baseball. They announced the All-Star Reserves yesterday after the game. Uh, we already knew that Nolan Arnato was going to start for the National League. Nolan Arenado is the only all-star for the Cardinals. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody given their record this, uh, this season. Um, as far as it goes, I mean, we know that list is going to change a bunch of times over the next week. So take it for what it is with some of the other names on there right now, five guys listed for the home run derby claims. They can't find guys to play in that thing anymore. (laughs) Julio Rodriguez, who's only playing in it because it's in Seattle and he just wants to do it in front of the home crowd. Vlad Guerrero, Pete Alonzo, who has won it twice. And then uh, Mookie Betts. In the, uh, you, I don't, I mean, I know he hits a lot of home runs, but he doesn't strike me as a home run derby kind of guy. That's no, I agree be, with you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that just tells you, you know, how this home run derby has run its course. And guys would rather say, hey, you know, what? I'd rather have the time off than to go out there and 
waste a whole day. And, and I think here's the other thing. A lot of guys don't fare well after participating in the home run derby. Uh, and I think that, that's in the year. Yeah. I mean, so, but then you've had some other guys that you didn't hear from for the yeah. rest of the year. I think so, Bobby Abreu, a good example of that. So remember Bobby Abreu? Yeah. And you know what? He did it, it, may have, yeah. it may have turned his whole career around. Yeah. Because he was never the same guy after that. Right. Uh, Randy Orozarena also in it. Uh, that's what he'll, he, he'll he be. He basically fun. begged his way to get in it. Yeah. He'll be fun to, to see in that. But you, you know, you and I were talking about this last week. This is, I, I think, what you need out of this is to turn it into kind of like the dunk contest in the NBA. You don't need to have guys that are all stars participating in it. No, bring, I agree. Bring guys, bring guys that'll hit. You know, the the top eight farthest home run balls of the year. Bring those guys in it and see what they could do in this. You know, I, I think that's a good idea. I, I think the other thing I would probably do is some of these young guys with power who haven't figured it out yet, I'd get them in there. You know, we see all these guys, you know, for instance, a guy, I'll just roll out a name like if he was on the roster, Luke and Baker, somebody mm -hmm. who you barely know, but now you say, wait a minute, this guy's got some power. I'm going to start paying attention to him because I think your point is a very valid one with regard to getting other players' exposure that we ought to start keeping an eye on. And so I, I think that that would be something I would certainly take a look at uh, yeah. with regard to, you know, what this thing is going to look like down the road. They right now, they have got to be begging Shohei Otani to do it again. 400, yeah. he had a 493 foot home run the, <laughs> the other day. His yeah. numbers in June, uh, just uh, he had to have in June. That had to be the greatest month of baseball in the history of the game for what one player did. When you look at his pitching and his hitting in the month of June, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. What, what was it? 16 home. Did he end up with 16, 15 home runs, the ERA that he had. I mean, as you go, as you, we're, we're a few months away. I mean, we are getting close to Shohei Otani being a free agent. Where do you start with him in free agency? You mean as far as the cities? Listen, no, 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 no. As far as hard. what, what, as what, as far as what you pay, you probably, you probably give them a half billion over ten. How many? It's crazy to think that that's low. No, not really. Um, you know, th th this will be a very. I don't know who's doing this deal, but I think he can be very creative with this thing, uh, where there could be even more money on the back end. Um, but I think there's only three teams that have a chance at him. Um, Dodgers. Dodgers, Giants, and uh, the Angels. No I think mess. that's it. He, no, he doesn't want to play on the East Coast for a okay. couple of reasons. Bad weather and also the games in Japan would be on at like 8 in the morning. Okay. So in the Central, you know, I know some people talk about Chicago, doesn't like Chicago because of the weather once again. Uh, so, you know, he's not going to Colorado. He's not going to Arizona. Um, he's definitely not coming to the Cardinals. Uh, so you have three teams not going to Seattle because he doesn't want to live in the shadow of Ichiro. Okay. So you have San Francisco who can afford them. You have the Dodgers who can afford them. And then you have the angels who will find money to afford them. We will. Uh, yeah. Next week. Uh, I, I wonder if they'll do anything with Shohei and Ichiro this, uh, next week with the all-star game being in Seattle. I, I know they, I know they had their moments, uh, during the world baseball classic, but, 
I would imagine the uh, Mariners organization is going to push to have some sort of moment between the uh, the two of them up there. Claves Online will be up at the All-Star Game next uh, next week. I'll uh, fly out there on Sunday and uh, be uh, posting, and we'll be uh, doing the show from out there next week, along with uh, Good Nightingale. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll set that up from the All-Star Game as well with our newest colleague, Bob Nightingale of USA Today. All of that next week here on Claves Online, brought to you by our folks at Ameren, Illinois, Gray Bar, and Munganass St. Louis Acura. By the way, Munganass St. Louis Acura right now, you go to the website, stlouisacura.com, Claves, and we've talked about it when we've been out there. Right now, you know, you go to these car lots, not a whole lot of inventory out there on the uh, in the parking lots, but at Munganass St. Louis Acura, 111 new Acuras wow. out there on the lot right now, 111. That doesn't even count all of the pre-owned cars that they have out at Munganass as well. So many of those new MDXs, Claves. We once did a show from inside one of those MDXs. They have the 2024 MDXs available for you as well out there on the uh, on the showroom and in the lot at Munganass St. Louis Acura. So you're saying they have about a couple hundred cars at least out there. Oh, easily. I mean, yeah, you're, we're just, I mean, that's, we're just talking about the new ones right there. I mean, if I go and you go to the website, you go to stlouisacura.com claves. Uh, I just clicked on pre-owned 214 pre-owned cars are what they so have. So they have over 300 the cars on the lot. Exactly. Yeah. Over wow. 300 cars out there and you could sit, you could sit and you could sort them by the budget. You could sit them by what they have out there. Cause they do have more than just Acuras out there as well. So 13720 Manchester road or start your search at St. Louis It's Munganass St. Louis Acura. One of the sponsors here of Claves online. Let's take a quick break. Let's get into some off season talk, NBA and NHL. We will do that when we come back. And hey, by the way, for those of you affected by some of the storms that we had over the uh, over the weekend, take a listen to this Ameren, Illinois Minute. When there's a really epic storm with lots of outages and, and lots of damage, does Ameren, Illinois, do they, do they reach out to other companies? We do. We're part of what we call the uh, Mutual Assistance Network. And... Uh, that's other companies here in the Midwest that if we need assistance, we can call in resources from the generally contiguous states to Illinois. In a very big storm, uh, there are different mutual assistance organizations across the country. We've called in folks from as far away as Texas and Florida, uh, Colorado to come help out in storm. And we do the same when uh, hurricanes hit Florida and, uh, and the Gulf Coast. So uh, we, we do help each other out. We have. Uh, a resource in linemen that are in limited supply, so there's only so many linemen in the U.S., and we know that we have to support you. Let me. Can Graybar help my electrical and datacom jobs be more productive? Yep. Our supply chain services are designed to do just that. Like job site services? Yep. We deliver the products you need where and when you need them, no matter your industry. What if I have technical questions? Yep, our specialists are top-notch. Emergency support? Yep, even after hours. They're a unicorn. When you need to keep your projects productive and profitable, rely on Graybar to help you get the job done right. No unicorns required. Yep, Graybar does that. 
here. It's the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. If you've missed any of the first 20 minutes of the show, you can go and podcast it or check it out on YouTube. Just search for Claves Online and find all of our content there. As we mentioned earlier, that includes the new show, Good Nightingale, Mike Claiborne and Bob Nightingale, talking baseball each and every week. And, Klaibs, just last week, you and Jamal Mayer sat down and talked a little NHL following the draft. Yeah, I had a chance to visit with Jammer, uh, who I think should be a candidate for the vacant Blues color analyst role. And I am i don't know how that selection process works, but uh, if you're thinking about somebody who has a ton of experience, what, 17 years in the league, Stanley Cup champion, knows the market here in St. Louis, very well respected, uh, I like to see who they run in here. Other, that's going to have a better credentials than what Jamal Mayers has had. And and by the way, he he does TV in Canada on TSN, so it's not a situation where he doesn't have any experience. So uh, I'm throwing my hat in his ring to hopefully get him out there, and uh, maybe he'd be the next Blues color analyst. You guys had a chance to talk about the uh, the draft after it happened, uh, but since then, we've seen a few other moves get made around the NHL. A few familiar faces to the Blues have uh, new homes as Ryan O'Reilly is now a member of the Nashville Predators, and Pat Maroon just get, got traded the other day to the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, that was a little interesting to see Pat go to Minnesota. I guess with Ryan Reeves moving on, they wanted to have a physical presence. Uh, and that, that makes sense on that front. Uh, how about Ryan Reese gets another contract at the age of 36? Uh, you know, and, and I, I like the deal for him. It's, it's a good setup. I mean, but there must be something going on in Toronto because everybody's trying to get the hell out of there. And there's some talk about Austin Matthews maybe not re-signing. You have to remember, Austin Matthews is not Canadian. He's from Arizona. So he doesn't have that linkage uh, to Canada and Toronto like a lot of players do. And I think it also says a lot of Ryan O'Reilly, who's from there, decides to go somewhere else. That ought to tell you maybe maybe Toronto's got a bigger issue in their dressing room than they have on the ice. Did you think there was any chance that O'Reilly would make his way back here to St. Louis? I did. I thought there was an outside chance. But I think after they acquired the center from uh, Philadelphia, that kind of lessened the opportunity. Um, but, you know, Ryan O'Reilly was a tremendous captain and a tremendous player. Uh, and I've said this to you countless times. <clears throat> there were very few nights that Ryan Riley wasn't the best player on the ice for the Blues at something, whether it was checking, whether it was face-offs, whether it was make, uh, being an assist man and just being a character guy. Uh, I think he's been as, a, as good of a captain as the Blues have had in a long, long time. And I wish him nothing but the best of health and, and success in his new venture in, in Nashville. Another former Blue signed uh, last week and got a really nice deal, too. Ivan Barbashev, after winning his second Stanley Cup with the Golden Knights, uh, re-signed there in Vegas. Five years, $5 million per year. That's a uh, that's pretty good money in the NHL. It is a lot of money in the NHL, and, and it'll be interesting to see what role he'll play. <clears throat> you know, we saw him score over 20 goals before, but, you know, people always relegate him to being a third-line or a fourth-line player. Um the guy has talent, so it, it will be something to pay attention to on how they use him in Vegas. They've lost a couple of people along the way also, so maybe he moves up or maybe he solidifies the third line. But in any event, uh, congratulations to him. Uh, he, he served a great role in St. Louis, and I'm sure he'll do the same in, in Las Vegas for the next five years. 
You uh, you mentioned the one move the Blues made last week. Uh, what else do you think they need to do in the offseason as it stands right now? They really are limited. You know, they don't have a lot of money cap-wise uh, unless they move some players. And, and obviously, with Tory Krug electing not to want to be moved, that, that really kind of throws a monkey wrench into their situation. I don't think they have enough as we speak. I think the defense is still a question mark. I think the goaltending is still up in the air, even though Bennington's here and you're stuck with him. He didn't, he didn't play that well last year, even though he had a bad defense in front of him. And you have a lot of unproven forwards that are looking to figure out what lane do they actually swim in. So with all that said, you might want to hope if there's a buyout somewhere from a player in another organization, that maybe you can bring him on for the minimum. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, it's a very thin free agent market right now. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko still sitting out there. And I was a little surprised that somebody wouldn't scoop him up. So you have to wonder, is there more baggage to Vladimir Tarasenko than we thought uh, with regard to the fact that, you know, going to the Rangers, here come the Rangers. And, you know, he kind of fizzled there. And just the way he handled things in St. Louis, which goes back to him saying, I wanted to be traded. And then when he gets to New York, he said, you know, they never offered me a contract. Well, why would he offer you a contract if you don't want if you don't want to be here? <laughs> so, you know, it, the, the messages were mixed uh, and, you know, he was hot and cold in New York. And, you know, maybe they bring him back. And, but again, again, we don't know what kind of money he's asking for. I mean, he might be asking for a lot more than maybe teams are willing to spend because every team basically is backed up to the cap. Now, the cap didn't grow as much as I think they'd hoped for it to, so you're kind of limited. And this whole no trade, no movement contract terms in your contract, uh, it's been detrimental to the teams. The players love it, but the teams really don't have the ability to move players like they would want to. The, uh, the guy the Blues acquired, Kevin Hayes, uh, last year played 81 games for the Flyers, 54 points on the, uh, on the year, and the Flyers are going to pay 50% of his contract. That seems uh, to be the theme here with a lot of the moves the Blues have been making lately. We saw it late last year, too, that they're acquiring these players that they're, they're hoping that a change of scenery will kind of reignite their careers and they're getting the uh, the past teams to to pick up a bulk of the salary. Well, throw in the fact that uh, apparently John Tortorella and Hayes weren't on the same page and they would do anything to get him out of there. Remember, you got a new uh, general manager and a new president of ba- hockey, I almost call him baseball operations, uh, and Keith Jones. So, you know, Tortorella is not the easiest guy to play for. And so he tried to basically bury the guy. So you're right. Maybe a change in CD would do him well. He's a serviceable player. Uh, I don't know what the real expectations are of him from a goal scoring standpoint, but you know, you're going to be bigger in the middle. That's the one thing the blues are a little light in last year. So we'll see how that works out. We will talk a little NBA offseason, a uh, big move on the horizon coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what transpires with that. But first, one minute uh, from the Painting and Decorating Foundation. So what made you get involved in this program? I mean, you had multiple options, I'm sure, but what made you think that this is something you wanted to do? Well, um, I wasn't quite sure what kind of career path I wanted to take at the time. And I heard about the Painters Union and all the great things about it. Um, Basically, they put you through this apprenticeship. It's a four-year apprenticeship. 
and um, they teach you everything you need to know about the trade. So it was pretty hard for me to pass up once I heard that. Well, um, I think mostly it was just knowing that, you know, the, they're, they're here to protect you, the union is, and uh, knowing that I was going to be able to take my time to learn. I was, it wasn't going to be one of those things where they're forced to, day one, jump right into it. And I think once I figured that out, I mean, I love the opportunity to grow, and I think that that's the best thing for Back here, it's the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and Gray Bar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Talked a little NHL uh, in, that, uh, in that last segment, but we need to get into the NBA because big doings in the NBA offseason as Damian Lillard uh, has finally, finally requested a trade out of Portland after years of giving Portland all the opportunities to build around him and try to build a winner. Uh, it looks like he's finally had enough and he's willing to move, but he's said he only wants to play in Miami. Well, that kind of limits things. Uh, and you, you make a good point. He's given that organization everything he can. And I guess he just sees on the surface, they're not going to be good enough by the time he, you know, leaves to be able to compete. So he wants to go somewhere where he can compete. Uh, here's here's a concern I have about that. I mean, he's going to a team that's starting to age themselves with the with the Miami Heat. And when you think about all those undrafted players that they had and they were using, you have to wonder at some point they're going to hit the wall as well as far as skill sets concerned. So you know, if he wants to go there, that's fine. I think the big challenge is finding a, a dance partner who can accommodate that sort of cap range. I think what is he at forty three million? So that's a pretty high number to move, which means you're going to have to put together a multiple combination of players in order to come close to balancing that number. Uh, and, you know, when you look at Miami's team, roster, yeah. yeah, you look at Miami's roster, that means they're going to have to move at least two players, if not three. And now all of a sudden you're the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. $42.5 million is what uh, Damian Lillard is set to make or made last year. And he, I mean, he's not young either. He's not some young superstar anymore. A lot he of turned, miles on him. He yeah, turns 33 right. in a couple weeks. A lot so, of miles on him. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, he's been playing forever as well. So I, I don't, I mean, then when you move somebody big like that, I, that's just going to cause a domino effect throughout the rest of the league. But we've already kind of seen, some of the big moves being made, Chris Paul uh, to the Warriors. You see Bradley. Which I still Beal. don't get that one. That I, I mean, what is he he's thirty eight on the bench? He's thirty eight. He's hurt on an annual basis. Uh, okay, so he's a good fifteen foot jump shooter, good passer. I just don't see where that fits for that team uh, because you have some guys that have to have the ball in their hands. Steph Curry and, and uh, Clay Thompson for sure. Draymond doesn't need the ball to be effective. Um, I, I just don't understand that one. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the the Warriors are trying to keep the band together for one more run. I just think it's too late. The uh, You also we, – we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. Bradley Beal to the uh, to the Suns. So you now and then have – they pick up Eric Gordon today. They're going to be interesting to watch because they may have one guard too many. Yeah. Uh, although they, they've got to find a way to come up with a bench because, you know, we, we've seen Beal get hurt. We've seen uh, uh, Melvin Booker get hurt. Uh, we've seen some guys who have had some injury issues. Durant's been hurt. So you better have a bench, and they don't have much of one. So it, it's going to be something to pay attention to on how they stock this team with some fines. And J J Jordan Goodwin's there too. So he may have a different role compared to what we saw him have in Washington. 
the uh, you know, as you see, uh, some of the contracts coming out now, and some of the news of that over the uh, today's kind of been a big day for uh, for a lot of the NBA contracts. Uh, this let's let's play a game of who he play for the uh, <laughs> what they do on TNT because two years, thirty two million dollars for Caris Levert. Do you know who he plays for, Claves? Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, never heard that name until today. Most people think it's Eddie Levert from the from the uh, OJ's, you know, the, the group. Yeah, no, you know what? He was an integral part of that team this year. I mean, they made some real strides. Uh, he, he's a good player, but you know what? Here's the thing, Joe. When you look at players today and you say ten million dollars, twelve million dollars, sixteen million dollars, who are these guys? Yeah. That's just the that's just the nature of the beast. I got news for you. Once this new TV deal kicks in, you're going to be really scratching your head on how they're paying these guys all this money because they have to. Have you seen the uh, the Team USA roster was also announced today too? For I have the not. USA FIBA World Cup. Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Austin Reeves, Paolo Banchero, Mikel Bridges, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, and Bobby Portis. Claves, I don't think that's the uh, second coming of the dream team. Yeah, and you know, the concern is there's not a lot of international experience there other than the guys they play with and against. Um, that, that roster may change a bit, but you know, we, we have a little bit of a change of the guard. I mean, you know, LeBron's not going back and some of the other guys aren't going back. So you, you have to find some guys. Now, with those guys you just mentioned, they all have a lot of talent. Yeah. It's all very young. Uh, I would like to have seen maybe a little bit more experience there. Uh, if just nothing more than a guy who was on the most recent team to kind of give them an idea of how this works. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff looks like. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go into it. They've got time to tweak it. Uh, Jerry Coangelo is not part of it anymore. It's a new day for a lot of other people. So uh, I'm anxious to see how that turns out. And when you, you, know, you, you make a good point about the, the guys that aren't coming back, because when you look at kind of the faces of the NBA right now, it's guys that are in their mid thirties, mid to late thirties or international players. So when you look at building a team USA, you're going to get a lot of names on that list where you look at it and you go, who, you know, who, yeah. where, you know, maybe I heard that name for a year in college, but I don't know who he plays for now type thing because I, Giannis, uh, Jokic and who's the um, the guy with the Mavericks? Um, um, Luca, Luca, Luca uh, yeah, Luca. I mean, those are three. Those are all international guys. You know, those are all yeah. three big faces of the NBA. And then Durant's still there. LeBron's still there. Steph Curry, Dame Lillard. I mean, those are guys that they're that they're past that. They're not doing that. They're not adding more games onto them anymore. Well, you know, here's another thing to think about. I and mean, you look at this year's draft. And how much of an international non-college draft we had as far as high picks, lottery picks. Uh, we didn't have the guys from Old State U and Duke and other places not as prevalent this year. Uh, they've gone internationally. They've gone the G League. They've gone other other methods. And I think the, the college game as we know it is going to be on notice. On And it's not their job to develop NBA players, okay? And it's not their job to do it. But they've really hung their hat on that, the fact that they can turn out NBA players. And they will, but they won't be or haven't been the 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 so-called lottery guys that we've been accustomed to seeing. Now, you had the kid from Alabama. Uh, you know, he was in that mix. But other than that, a lot of those guys, you, most most of us, 
uh, haven't heard of because they have not been on a, on a more uh, national scene. Let's take our final break, uh, wrap things up when we get back. Before we do that, though, Klaibs, our friends over at Fast Eddie's, a lot of people maybe taking the whole week off, head on down to Alton, Illinois, and hit up Fast Eddie's uh, one of these days for the holiday week. Don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, coldest beer, peel and eat shrimp, the Fat Eddie burger, and everything else that comes with it is always a main staple in Alton, Illinois. And now they have a dispensary open right next door to it. So a lot of fun things that are going on at Fast Eddie's. And as you mentioned, Joe, some people are taking this week off. Maybe you go over there for lunch or maybe you go over there in the evening, catch a Cardinal game. There's a lot of things to do when you swing by Fast Eddie's at the foot of the Alton Bridge in Alton, Illinois. You got to be 21 and over to go there. And uh, I guarantee you, once you go once, you will certainly put it on your list to be there more than the next time. Back here in just a bit, it's the Amron, Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. The legends of golf return to St. Louis in 2023. You won't want to miss one of the strongest fields in golf. Ernie Els, Steve Stricker, Bernard Langer, John Daly, and many more when they compete for the 2023 Ascension Charity Classic title, September 5th through the 10th at historic Norwood Hills Country Club. All proceeds benefit area charities. Together, we were able to donate over $1 million to those most in need last year. Visit ascensioncharityclassic.com. Claves, we uh, we talked a lot of NBA in that last segment. We did not bring up uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about were the cuts that were made this past weekend with ESPN. A lot of big-name talent let go, and it seemed like they really cut into their NBA on ESPN uh, coverage with some of the people that uh, no longer have jobs there. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we saw it coming and I think with, as each season ends, that's when you'll start to see more guys get reduced. I mean, for baseball, I'm sure you'll see some cuts there. Uh, I think the biggest shock was Jeff Van Gundy was let go and Kendrick Perkins still has a job. Uh, but it's my understanding that maybe Doc Rivers takes that job as a color analyst. Is Van Gundy Uh, looking for a job again, coaching? No, I don't think so. I think Van Gundy, if he sits tight once they do this next NBA deal, he'll be he'll be with one of these other networks because okay. they're going to expand it. I know NBC is kicking the door on it, and uh, CBS allegedly was you know asking about it. I think NBC really would like to have it back. It was a very good gold standard for them back in the day. So there'll be an, an additional network or two that will cover NBA games after next year, and I'm sure Jeff Van Gundy will be part of one of those broadcasts. Claves, we saw something new in Chicago this weekend. I know you're a big uh, Formula One guy. They tried to do street racing in NASCAR, and the weather did not want to cooperate with them. Add to that the poor air quality that was in Chicago this past weekend. wasn't a uh, wasn't a great start, but from what you saw, what were your uh, what were your takeaways from street racing, NASCAR street racing in Chicago? I didn't see it any different than any other time when you go to Chicago with the way they drive there on the streets, to be <laughs> honest with you. So, but you know, I think uh, it's it, listen, NASCAR has to figure out how to remain non stagnant. Okay. They go to the same tracks every year. And I think they want to do something a little different because as they watch Formula One and the Indy cars, they're starting to do more street events. You don't have to do a bunch of them, but if you have one on the calendar, just like when they went out to the Coliseum and raced out there. They're trying to make sure that they're not stagnant and they can go into these large markets uh, who don't have an annual race and, and have an impact. Um, you know, yeah, they had the, some tweaking they, they probably need to do. Maybe it's a different time on the schedule, 
but overall, I, I like what they were trying to do. Obviously, the weather didn't cooperate. Uh, but at some point, you got to be more creative as far as giving these racers a chance. Now, the challenge that you have is this isn't an oval. I mean, there's a lot more turns and you have some really tight turns. And if you don't have the right equipment for that, if your car isn't set up for it, especially the tires, then you're going to probably be out of the race fairly early. And I think in this case, there were some drivers who probably didn't get enough track time because it's not like they can block all the streets for a week and you can go out and race, race the track. So they were kind of like sight unseen. And that's something they'll probably have to think about when they put this thing together, hopefully next year. Claves, that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, as people could see, you are at your home. You are not down in Miami with the Cardinals. So what's on the agenda for this week? Well, we uh, we'll have a we'll visit with a walk in the fairway with Nick Nick Ragone on Thursday. We'll also talk to Bob Nightingale, Good Nightingale, as we go into the All Star break. And uh, other than that, I've got some other projects I'll be working on. So I, I'll be busy enough. All right, Claves. Next time you and I talk, I'll be up in Seattle uh, before the Monday before the Home Run Derby next week. Uh, seeing whatever whatever coverage I can provide for that. I that I have found, you know what? It's a short trip, but it is. Uh, it's a lot of fun to go up there and and some people you see just once a year and kind of just taking in the All Star Game. It's become a a, a fat. It's fastly become a uh, an enjoyable experience. A big event that I'll that I've been going to now the last four years. So we'll see what we can get for the folks, the viewers of Claybs Online at next week in Seattle. For Mike Claiborne, I am Joe Roderick. This has been another edition of the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Ameren Illinois and Gray Bar and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. We're always right here on ClaybsOnline.com. The 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back! That's home run number 700! Albert hits it down the left field line. Number 703! 703! It's history!